Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host... John Kerry! And we are here, excited today to talk to you about a lot of things. There's a lot going on in Seattle sports right now. There um, is, but... We have to start our podcast on a little bit more of a somber note. That People, is true. If you hear the church bells ringing, it's not Sunday. It's uh, the death of the Pac-12. In a stunning move, almost all of the biggest teams in the Pac-12 are moving to the West Coast Conference to play basketball with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They just they wanted to raise the level of competition. I'm just kidding. That's not what's happening. Tyler, who's going where? Um... You know, I'm going to give that summary after we do the intro. <laughs> I know you're excited. I am excited. Let me in. Um, so, yeah, obviously we're going to talk about the Pac-12 realignment and how that's shaping up for uh, the four remaining teams in the Pac-12. Um, then we'll probably get into just what was a great series this weekend um, with the Mariners and Angels. And then we'll see what else we want to talk about, but that'll probably take all of... 45 minutes, and we'll get this one to you guys early this week. We're, we're starting strong because John's got a wedding to go to later. Love is very important. Um, before we get started, our buddies, Coyote Pickwick. Just to answer your question, let's let's just rattle it off right quick. The teams that are leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten, would be USC, UCLA. Those ones are not surprising. They announced that, I think, at some point last year. Yeah, that's old news. Mm-hmm. We were hoping we could hold on, but... And then uh, our very own University of Washington, mm. my dogs, they are leaving to go to the Big Ten, as well as University of Oregon. It's four really big, four of the biggest schools in the Pac-12. The four biggest programs in the Pac, and then not only that, um, we got Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big Twelve, correct? And Colorado was a recent announcement. Yeah. Colorado, thank you. So that's four and four makes eight of the Pac-12. That leaves four remaining teams. The Pac-4 really showing up strong. The Pac-4, <laughs> and I already have heard that California and Stanford are interested in moving to the ACC, um, and they're evaluating whether or not that's realistic to absorb them. But I think that's fantastic. I really am rooting for that. That's the one of these moves that would really excite me because nothing like um, two California teams joining the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. The Atlantic Coast <laughs> Conference. The map of that, of that team breakdown would be pretty hysterical. Um, and then that would only leave Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah. Um, who it looks like might get eaten up by uh, the Mountain West. California and Stanford could get eaten up by the mm-hmm. Mountain West as, as well if they can't find a, a suitor. But are we both in agreement that there won't be a pack four? Like, they're not going to run a four-man conference. Uh, if anything, I think it might be like an independent type thing, kind of similar to Notre Dame, where it's like those four will play each other, and then they'll just kind of be like... Out of conference. Whoever we can find that will play a game against us. That's fair. Um, I know, I've, I've seen a lot of talk that the, like, you know, the rivalries, like the I don't know. What's the new name for the Civil War? The, like, Oregon-Oregon State rivalry, do you remember? No clue. I just remember Civil War. But, like, what about the Apple Cup? That's right? what I'm saying. Those those rivalries have been talk in, like, in talks, and it sounds like they'll still continue. They'll just be independent of, if like, Washington schedule. Washington play Washington State? 
They're not. They're only. They're only going to play once a year. They're not going to do a home and home. That's ah. Uh, I mean, that's how, that's how they do it for football. They don't play each other in each other's home stadium every year. Mm, it's every every other they switch. Right, because you don't play the same team twice. Yeah. Duh. Stupid. I know. John John can be dumb sometimes. Um, but I think this is like a big deal. The Pac-12 was one of the big five power conferences, and it's the only one that is. It looks like it's going to completely dissolve and get eaten up by the other big power four conferences, I suppose. Um, yeah, what do you think? I'm, I'm devastated. I'm heartbroken. I'm devastated mainly because I'm going to miss hearing Bill Walton call the Pac-12 the Conference of Champions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think, will not miss that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of like rich history because the Pac-12 for quite a while was one of the premier schools, not for football or basketball, but for like everything else. Or premier uh, conferences, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they were one of the top... Conferences and just like developing, I know UW rowing was huge. We like, ran rowing, son. <laughs> uh, UW and UCLA softball are two really big schools that are part of the Oregon State NCAA baseball softball program. Oregon right. State baseball, um, the Pac-12 women's basketball program. Like two years when we were at Oregon State, we had like five of the top sixteen teams in the in the top sixteen NCAA women's basketball rankings. Yeah, really good women's basketball. It's, um, it just sucks. I would do you know. You might be getting a bit over our skis here. Do you know the reason that this happened? I guess it started with USC and UCLA. It Was there just like way more money to be made? That's what it was. It's a money thing. Yeah, it's basically... So I heard there was talks with the Pac-12 and Apple TV for a deal... Like a you know to show to show the games or however those work. I don't really know how that works. But I think Apple TV put out an offer of like $23 million dollars total for the pack and i think last year it cost the pack 12 like 27 million dollars to i guess fund or like they had to pay 27 million dollars to the schools and so less money would have been given they would have been net net minus four million dollars big 12 so it was a hundred million dollars yeah it was really not even like a good offer by by apple tv and so it wasn't it wasn't going to happen which sucks to hear because it's like it was really doomed from the start i Um, guess just not enough interest yeah so it was a huge money move. I think you know the the UW. I don't. I don't know who's the athletic directors. The UW president, like all those people, are making statements about uh, how it's like they're still going to focus on maintaining the integrity of like NCAA athletics, and it was the best move for for the university. But I really, it's really questionable that it was the best move for the university, just because of the fact that like it was just for money because of football. Like, it's one program that only has to play once a week, and they readjusted everything in terms of the, like, scheduling for NCAA student-athletes, all the coaches, everything like that is just, like, fully readjusted because they wanted to make more money for their football team. Yeah, and it's... Or through their football team, not for so. Yeah, and what I... So what makes this so tough is, from an entertainment standpoint... It'll be cool having some more big teams in those big conferences. It'll be cool having, you know, UW's, you know, in-conference schedule be that much more competitive, you know, that kind of stuff. And not just football. I think it'll be really good for UW basketball because they're going to, like, have to rise. I think just joining a conference of that talent, you'll get talented recruits who want to play in that conference. You know, they'll get a bump naturally, but then they'll also have to raise the stakes if they don't want to be a joke um i think it'll really help their basketball program actually so 
from that standpoint, it's like, oh, great, yeah, you know, who doesn't want to see some of these big matchups we could get? You know, who doesn't want, you know, Oklahoma, USC, but it's just, it's sad. It's like the kind of like the death of West Coast college culture in a way, you know? The pack, pack's gone. Like, why, why the pack? Why the pack and not the ACC? I think it's just because of the West Coast thing. Like, everything happens later for them because we're three hours behind. Mm. And so every time we would show something, the numbers aren't there. And in that in that case, they're, you know, the schools aren't making as much money. Or the, the oh, what are they called? That's the, really the, interesting. The people that are airing the, the sports. Yeah, because people stay up late to watch. That's how, that's how they have to watch it is they have to stay up late if they're anywhere on the east side. But all the, all the like, Alabama games, they're at 10 a.m. for us. We watch them before you know, games even start. That's a really um, good point. I didn't think about that as a, I, you know, there are other things, you know, about the Pac-12 people might not have loved, but I didn't think about the fact that from a national standpoint, the timing literally just doesn't work out. Yeah, you would think they would just adjust then and do earlier games. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. The Pac-12 after dark was always uh, was always a big, big draw to me. Love loved the rainy, rainy UW games against like Utah. Mm. Those are great to go to. Those are good games. Um, yeah. What are your? I guess what are your? You know, thousand feet up, looking down, views on the situation. Because like I said, like I get it, and you know, watching them in their new place is going to be fun. But it just it bums me out. Like, you know, in twenty years, if we have kids, they'll have no idea what the Pac-12 ever was. Like, it's going to be completely lost in ten years. Yeah, I think the historical precedent is obviously very like things are going to change dramatically. It's kind of weird. This is probably kind of the first domino to fall, and then there's going to be a lot more changes as the years go by, just because of the the money grab of it all. Yeah. Um, my my immediate view was, or as soon as I heard the news, I was like, oh, that's cool. It'll be like you know more competition for the the, the sports teams. Good for basketball. Good for football to get that get those games in, and you know if they can continue to win like they have been, especially for UW. Then it'll give them a better opportunity to make the pack to, or the, the college football playoff. Yeah, better um, recruits if you're playing Big Twelve games, all that kind of stuff. Big, but yeah. you hear, I was actually I was watching an interview from the Missouri football coach, and he was just like devastated for the student athletes, because the fact of the matter is like football teams will be you know they'll they'll fly across the country once a week, play their game, and then fly back. But then you have. The typical schedule you think for a basketball or a softball game or a softball team or baseball or whatever it is, they play a game on Thursday and usually it was they would they would fly to like Oregon and play Oregon and Oregon State and they'd play on Thursday and they'd play on Sunday or Saturday, whatever it was. Hmm. They'd play two games and come back close enough that it wasn't a big deal. Now they're gonna have like especially UW or Oregon or USC, UCLA, they're gonna have to fly to Maryland and then get on a plane and fly to Pennsylvania and then fly back. And that, that entire process is just so, it's so bad for like the mental health and the scholastic attributes yeah. of these athletes. Yeah. Like they're not going to be able to go to school. It's going to be all online learning. And eventually that's just going to like diminish the value of the education. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah. So part of what really sucks is like the thing that was great about the Pac-12, like you said, is like football was always fun. You know, maybe one year it's Oregon or USC or Washington as a shot at, you know, some of the higher level stuff. But it's all the other stuff every other year. You know, 
Pac-12 basketball, pretty good. You know, UCLA's made a couple of nice runs. We had four teams in the Elite Eight, like, through two years ago. Yeah, yeah. When Oregon was monstrous. Oregon was the best team in the country a couple of years ago. And so it wasn't that. It wasn't baseball. It just... I don't really know how to explain why this why this happened. Like, it, the Pac-12, as it was, was as healthy a conference as the ACC. That's just a fact. Obviously... The Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC were on another level. There was really the Big Three. But the ACC and the PAC were, like, on par with one another. Heck, PAC and football, like, they they were better, more well-rounded. Yeah, the ACC just has, like, Clemson. ACC has basketball. That is what that's ACC true. That's has. That's true. All, and, you know, they're one of the best basketball conferences, but that is all that they have. And last year, they kind of sucked, which, you know, hopefully that trend continues. I guess, yeah. I'm just, yeah, it's a, almost a little humiliating as a Washington fan. Like, once again, I went to Gonzaga, you know, WCC pride. WCC did not dissolve. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, WCC should absorb some of these teams. And they can just be Notre Dame floaters for football. Yeah, I know I know Stanford was actually also in talks about creating something with the Ivy Leagues. Um, yeah. But that, you know, they couldn't bring Cal and Wazoo and Oregon State with them. They would. Um, um it, yeah, it just sucks. Dude. It just sucks. I grew up watching UW football. Like, I, you know, I grew up in Western Washington. That's just like, there's Pac-12 pride out here. And like, yeah, it's just weird that like, yeah, we no longer have any association with, you know, Oregon. You know, they're in our conference. I guess even a better example is like Arizona. It's like, okay, see Arizona. Maybe, maybe we'll schedule a non-con game every four or five years. Yeah, but what's like, the difference between that and going to like Utah State? Like, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's all the same. It's it's gone. Colorado gone. That just ah, uh, sucks. Yeah, I, I, like thinking about when I was at UW, which was four years ago at this point. It was like the UW Colorado, and UW Utah were like the kind of matchups yeah, that were big yeah. in football. Yeah, Colorado was always good. And then they kind of just dissolved, and as soon as, yeah, it was it's such a money grab. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And it is, yeah, you think about it being all about football. Yeah, sucks for the student-athletes for sure. As the person sitting on the couch, you know, it hurts now. You know, once we get to see them play some Big Ten opponents, we're like, oh, this is kind of sick. And it will be. It will be kind of sick. But it still sucks. It's like you were driving... It's like you had this car that you just loved to death. And it was a little old, maybe a tiny bit rickety, but it was a perfectly fine car. You had no intention of doing anything else. And, you know, somebody just takes a fucking hammer to it and then gives you a slightly newer car. It's like, yeah, in six months it'll be nice being in the new car, but right now I'm just really, really bummed out. Um, it's an interesting analogy, but I actually like that. It might I like be it. a stretch, but I don't know. It's it's how I feel. I'm actually getting like more bummed the more we're talking about it. Just kind of thinking about what's going to be gone. Like I hated listening to Bill Walton comment on games. I thought, man, sorry, Bill, just not my cup of tea listening to him. But it just makes me sad that that's gone forever. I know. know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I mean, you have to think like the UW Oregon rivalry will still be around. Um, which is good. Which is good, but at the same time, like, will this de- will this deflate the UW Wazoo rivalry? Probably, absolutely, because it'll make Wazoo whatever whatever they end up whatever ends up happening to them, we, they'll yeah. they'll pro- they'll likely get worse as and a program. We will likely get better, which is a good thing, but it's going to kill the Apple Cup. Yeah, you know, 
once again, I'm a Western Washington guy. I wanted to see UW win the Apple Cup every year. But what made that cool is that some years Wazoo would do it, you know? If we win the next 10 straight, it's not going to be cool anymore. Yeah, just, so, just disappointing. Wars, we're also Oregon State guys. Oregon State and Oregon just got yeah. split. Well, so we were talking about early, you know, over, I think, earlier this summer, we were talking about going to the UW-Oregon State game. Yeah. That might not happen anymore. That might never happen. Yeah. Why would UW schedule a game with Oregon State? There's no point. Well, granted, Oregon State's supposed to be pretty good this year, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that might never happen again. <sighs> Fuck. Such a bummer, man. That's just, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there'll be cool aspects of it. And, yeah, in six months, we'll be hooting and hollering anyway. But, uh, yeah, we wanted to start with just, yeah, just a talk of... of just something kind of crazy. Let the people know that there are people that care about this. It's not just like yeah, it's well, not just like a news piece, you know. Yeah, and the way everyone's talked about it, it's just like, oh, it's so cool. It's gonna be so cool watching, you know, some of these matchups. It's like, is it that cool? Like, we're watching a conference die. Like, it's not that cool. <laughs> I never felt like I was missing out when UW wasn't playing Iowa every week. You know? Yeah, God, <laughs> damn. yeah, we could always schedule an Iowa game. Um, like the Michigan State game last year was huge for for UW. It was like yeah. their big like breakout game, mm-hmm. and now it's just like oh, it's normal now, which is cool in that sense. But it's also like you the rivalries that were established now have to be reestablished. It's like oh, who's like UW's playing Oregon State this week? I can be upset at Oregon State. We can talk trash, all that stuff. I don't know anything about Maryland. I don't know anything about. Penn or whatever also, it is, Penn State. It's fucking Maryland, man. You feel so bad for those people out there. <laughs> Y'all are almost rooting for them. It's like when they when the game's over, they have to go back to Maryland. You know, like <laughs> these guys get to go back to Washington or Oregon. It's like just let them have it. Um, yeah, part of it too. It's kind of a when you think about it from a fan standpoint. It's maybe I'll be proven wrong. It might be a bit of a no-win situation in that. You know, Oregon, I guess, the, the fucking Phil Knight money. They might they might have a chance to be a top three or four team right away. You know, there's a chance that Washington falls, like, lower mid-pack football and is, like, bottom of the barrel basketball, at least to start. It's just like, oh, I kind of would want to just be, like, third in the Pac-12, you know? Well, this does feel like if Mike Hopkins, like, this is Mike Hopkins' last year if he can't turn it around immediately. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, they will pull the plug so fast. Yeah, I, I will say our football team was, like, number seven or something coming into the this year. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still expecting them to basically run the table. Um for the Big 12, that's that's maybe maybe a hot take for for those listening. That's but a very hot take. Look at that. We're getting into Big 12 content anyway. Was UW going to run the Big 12? They're uh, more like the Big One and Small Eleven, <laughs> am I right? No, they're going to be they're going to be really good, and you know nothing nothing to be concerned about football wise this year. But like Oregon's not not very good right now. Like, yeah, it's their just going to be. Basketball team will be good. The basketball team will be fine. I really. The Big 12s or Big 10s good at basketball. Like, yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, UW basketball. Pray for them. It would be really cool if, if UW could be a top two or three football team in the Big 10. And then if Oregon could be a top two or three basketball team in the Big 10, it'd be cool. A little Pac 12 pride to like come in swinging, you know, bringing the power. Mm-hmm. We'll see what actually happens. But uh, I guess there's that chance. I'm just worried that. If things go sour early, they could find themselves in a worse spot than they were. But uh, any other any other things you want to say on the subject? 
Just pray for Wazoo and Oregon State, man. Yeah, pray we for don't care about Cal, but WCC is open to you, boys. Gonzaga can smack you around if you want. Um, I guess I have one closing statement before we move on. You know, end things with a bit of a bit of lightness, but also very, very serious. Okay, when I was a Pac-12 guy, I could see the nonsense happening in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, and not really care. You know, not my conference, not my business, whatever. Big 10, Big 12, you just ate up our conference. You have to listen to us now. We're on the board of directors. Change your fucking names. Change them now. <laughs> there have been, those have both been falsely advertised names for like 10 years. Not to mention the fact Big 10 and Big 12 are way too similar. It's stupid. It's confusing. I swear to God, I'm constantly getting the Big 10 and Big 12 confused. Now there's like Sixteen, eighteen teams in the Big Twelve, and there are fourteen or sixteen in the Big Ten. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Rename it. Come up with a cool name. I don't care what it is. Please, for the love of God, can we get rid of the Big Ten and the Big Twelve? It's stupid. This is the first time I've actually like tried to distinguish between them. I've always just been like, hey, that that middle of the country Those, area, yeah, it, that's thirty teams. <laughs> it's ones over there. <laughs> Um, with uh, Oklahoma's in one and Michigan's in the other, <laughs> right? Those yeah. aren't in the same one, right? I have no idea. That's the problem. This um, is what we need to fix. Yeah. So, hey, board of directors, on it. Maybe the maybe the large 16 and the gigantic 14 and a half. I don't know. The Texas and others 12. <laughs> now, okay, that's fantastic. The Texas and orbits. <laughs> um. You know what we should do right now, John? Cry. Later. We'll be back in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up after the break. (laughs) This episode was brought to you by Red Robin Seasoning. Have you ever thought, huh, I need some extra salt with all of my salty things? Red Robin's gotcha. They're locked and loaded with a very flavorful blend of salt and paprika probably I think that's it uh, and it goes great on fries it's great for topping your toast with butter that's honestly really good um, yeah Red Robin seasoning I have it I stole it from Red Robin come at me <laughs> that's funny yeah Red Robin seasoning good man. okay welcome back to Sound Up Seattle put your tissues down we're done with them save your tears for another day it's the last time we'll talk about that conference that used to exist. Did you just quote the weekend there, John? <laughs> yeah, I try to I try to get some in, you know. I'm a little bit of a star boy. <laughs> Alright, let's let's do it. Let's talk about what was probably the greatest series of twenty twenty three, I would say, for the Mariners. Oh yeah, for the Mariners, undeniably. Um, an awesome four game series against the Angels. Four games, four wins. Uh, and total run differential of six for the four games. Uh, two run win, two run win, one and one. Um, yeah, goodness. What a fun series that was. Two of the four came down to uh, you know winning situations. Obviously, we had the Grand Slam in... Was that the first game of the series? Yeah. Yeah, and remind me, I was going to say Grand Slam by, and I can't remember who it was. It was Cade Marlowe, the rookie. Cade Marlowe. The rook. Which was awesome. And then in the last game of the series, a 3-2 win uh, with a 10th inning run, 
Is that Suarez that drove that one in? Gosh, I'm yes. so unprepared. Yeah, deep, deep single where Julio actually got tagged out at third on somewhere he should have slid, which don't want don't to call him out too bad, but he should have slid there and been safe and had first and third with one out instead of two. Damn it, Julio! Um, yeah, a really great series. And what I think it did, and something that might might go unnoticed by some of the casual fans, is it put the Angels away. Like, they're a game under 500 now. They're 56 and 57. And they, they played today. They might have won. I'm not sure. We're yep. currently recording this on Monday the 7th at 9 o'clock p.m. So we'll know that later. Um, but, yeah, the Angels, we were, I think, tied with the Angels or a game back. And, yeah, it put them away. We're now eight games over 500, and they are one game below 500, which is a crazy turnaround. Yes, indeed it was. Um, just, to, I guess, a note on the Mariners' standings while we talk about this series. Um, the other biggest series happening uh, concurrent to that one was the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Uh, the Blue Jays swept the Sox, which is both very bad for us and good for us because what's done is... We are now solidly in the four spot in the wild card hunt. We're so the, one, one spot out. Yeah, we're the, the, the last team out, as, uh, as some college basketball experts may say. Um, and it's pushed the Red Sox back to five games out, so we're two games ahead of them. Unfortunately, we're still three games out of the Blue Jays because of that sweep. A, a little unfortunate. At one point, I think, you know, after the second game, it was probably before the Blue Jays game started, and we were two and a half games back. And so when I just went to check the standings, I was like, oh, fantastic. What are we going to be? Like half a game back? And it's like, we're actually further back than we were after a win. Because uh, the Blue Jays have also been cruising. Um, so that's the situation. Primed to fight for a wild card spot down the stretch. Plenty of plenty of room. The Blue Jays are only half a game back from the Astros. So, you know, we're three and a half games out of the two spot. Um, I, the Mariners have kind of proven something to us in July and August. It's been like a good couple months. Yeah. So they they were 17 and 9 or 17 yeah, 17 and 9 in the month of July and they're 5 and 1 in the month of August. That's they're 22, 22 and 10, 10 over their last 32. The that's people keeping up at home. That's pretty remarkable. That's a Is that a 100 win or on pace for a 100 win season if they, if you were to take that? That has to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's 2 to 1. Yeah. 2 to 1. Yeah. Um so we're going to talk about upcoming, but first, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the series itself. Can you give me some of your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think what the Mariners did best in this series, which was the crucial thing going into it, and I think we talked about it, uh, they limited the damage that Shohei Otani was able to do. Um, they were very careful with him. They pitched the corners. They pitched the edges. I think he had one home run in the series, which is pretty good for a four-game stretch with Shohei Otani and the way he's been hitting this year. I mean, he was responsible for all three of their runs in that first game because it started with his walk, um, their their run in the sixth inning to, I think, Crone singled and then Moustakis doubled to score their two there, and then Shohei hit the homer in the eighth. So he kicked things off for them in the series in a really real way, but definitely slowed down after that going forward yeah i think it could be something to talk about that marlo was the angel killer just taking that first game oh, just massive taking it out of their hands they were up three one in the ninth Bo- bottom nine top, top nine but oh, top yeah nine, yeah top nine. they were yeah they were had their closer in and they were going to put us away and then marlo just came up with it really good approach by a lot of the mariners this series they were taking their walks um but yeah i want to get back to the mariners pitching i think they did exactly what was needed but 
a lot of the games were close. Like you were saying, John, the run differential over a four-game series was six game, or six runs. Mm-hmm. That's not very high. Our offense kind of provided when it needed to. Our uh, starting pitching was decent. It wasn't it wasn't anything amazing. Uh, Brian Wu had a really great start, um, where he the first the first game he allowed two runs and he was going up against Shohei. They had both allowed zero through or Shohei had allowed one I think through five or or no Shohei came out in the fourth. Never mind. He didn't allow any through four, but Wu only allowed two runs through six. Like that's a great start by Brian Wu against a really really tough opponent. Um, and then yeah. It kind of lined up well. We got all of our runs in the Castillo game where Castillo had a little bit of a blow-up. Um, and then Miller and Kirby were both great as well. Yeah, yeah. Kirby allowed one run through seven, and Bryce allowed one through five. So I would, I think I'd actually disagree with the statement you started with. I think our starting pitching was really good in the series. Obviously, Castillo. That's the one little, thing that I was going to note was the yeah. Castillo blow-up. He did blow up, but... He at least had the decency to blow up while we were in the lead. It was a, That was during the 9-7 win, our second game of the series. And uh, we were never losing the whole game. Um, despite giving up seven runs, we were up 4 nothing, and he allowed a homer. We homered again to make it 5-1, and then they scored four in the third. Did he get pulled after the third? No, he kept going, I believe. Okay. And then, yeah, they tied it at seven in the fifth inning, which is as close as they got. Suarez singled. Rodriguez in in the eighth, and then the Raleigh homer in the ninth, which you just love to see. I don't care what the score is; just give me a Cal homer in the ninth. Um, yeah, the the Kirby start. I think I was watching that. Were we watching that together? I don't remember. I think we were watching. We watched the the Wu game, of course. Right. Um, the Kirby start looked tough, which is crazy because I feel like Kirby like. It feels like because he's pitched so well, he's kind of our ace, everything should be easy for him. But it was a tough start. He allowed one through seven, but it was like a hard-fought seven innings. Yeah, only five Ks. Um, which has kind of been the the course, his last couple starts, has been it's tough for him to get through it, but he's been like working through some issues. Like the Red Sox and the Angels are both, they both fouled off a lot of pitches off of him recently. Yes. And I'm wondering if he's been messing up his swing and miss stuff. Um, that might be something to think about because I know he was frustrated with the amount of foul balls that the Red Sox were hitting in, in that uh, series that um, a couple of series ago. Um, but yeah, just just something to note. I know Kirby's like been good, but he just has that next like next level that he hasn't even really reached yet. Yeah, and I think that's something really cool to know. Yeah, and you're you know you're totally right about Kirby. We both watched that game, and he was just a lot of long at bats. But even with that being said, he did, like I said, only allowed one earned run. Only allowed three hits through seven innings. He was really good. Yeah, and only only threw 96 pitches through seven innings, which, you know, isn't amazing, but it's not horrendous. Um, yeah, I think Kirby's just one of those guys where every long at bat is painful, and then the short ones you don't really notice. You yeah, know? I would agree. Um, he, he's really good at inducing soft contact, exactly, which, which is looks, why the short at bats are really efficient, and they, yeah. it feels like it's so hard for him when there's a few long at bats. And and the sh- the thing is, the short at bats you don't necessarily give him credit for because yeah, he's inducing a lot of soft contact, a lot of you know ground balls, a lot of pop flies, and when those happen, you know you're like oh good, but it's not like a strikeout, you know, it's not a K, you're not like oh he just owned that batter, you know, the guy's still making contact with the ball, which always makes you nervous, so. He's nervous when it's a quick out, and when it's a long one, you're very nervous. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe we just don't give Kirby enough credit. For I would, I would agree. I, 
I think he's our best pitcher. We argued about this at the beginning of the year. I would rather have him than Castillo. I, he's moved into that spot for me. I don't know if I said that at the beginning of the season, but he's moved into the number. He should be our number one pitcher going into the playoffs if that's the case. I'm he glad should be we the first one of one mind. Um, Bryce Miller, his start was really good. He threw a lot of pitches though. So something to note is when you have a high strikeout pitcher who's somebody like Bryce Miller, he induced a lot of whiffs, swing and misses on in his start. I think he had his most strikeouts ever. Um, and he only pitched five innings, but he had 10 strikeouts. But he threw a um, lot of pitches. Yeah, 85 through five innings. Yeah, so that just goes to show how much more efficient Kirby is. He can get through two more innings with 10 more pitches. Correct. Um, and while, while, you know, needing to induce contact to get some of these outs, when you can, you know, throw a fastball past somebody, it's a lot easier to keep those pitch counts down. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bryce was good. Bryce, 7-4 on the year, 4.2 ERA. I do love him. I just wish he was a little more consistent. Um, the one the one group that I really want to highlight is the bullpen. The bullpen was amazing this series. Mm. Um, I specifically want to highlight Taylor Sacedo. I think he kind of came out of nowhere as soon as we lost Seawald. And it was like, uh, who's going to replace Seawald's spot? It's been Munoz, obviously. It's been Brash. He's really stepped it up ever since the start of the season where we were talking about he was just having bad luck. Mm -hmm. Um, So his luck's kind of evened out. Um, And then it was Topa, and it's been Saucedo. And those four, along with Gabe Spire, have just been really great at keeping the the other teams where they are and letting our offense do its job of getting us back into the game. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about our bullpen. They were amazing this series. They were amazing. We were commenting, yeah. Every a lot of the Angels scoring was happening in the early innings. And when it came to the bullpen, they were shut it down. So Sado, just want to give him a little shout out. Three and one on the year, two oh eight ERA. It's what I love to see. Obviously, a little easier to keep those ERAs down as a closer, but that's really really good. Well, and especially as a reliever, it's one run can raise it so much. It's the consistency that, yeah. that over that he's had over the season that's been really great. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, it has been the bullpen. It's been timely hitting. It's been a little bit of everybody. Mm-hmm. JP had moments. Julio had moments. Suarez had moments. Raleigh had moments. Hernandez had moments. Um, I think there's this kid named Marlo. He might have done something at one point. I think JP JP had a really great series overall. Mm-hmm. Teoscar had a pretty good couple games. Suarez had a really good series. Francis saw him. Um, Francis picking it back up like we were hoping he would. Um, Julio's been just kind of around like he's not been amazing he's not been what we want julio to be he had, he's been good he had two awesome games and two awful games yeah is how like when you look at it like take a step back and look at all four you're like oh he was pretty average he was awesome in two of those four games um he went two for four and walked in our three two win on the sixth uh it's so the last game of the series and then i think it was in the nine seven game um that he had his other... Yeah, in the 9-7 game, he went 2-for-3 with two RBIs. He scored two runs. He hit a home run. He had two walks. The guy was awesome. Um, and then the other two games, he was just... Yeah, there was a game he was 0-for-5 and struck out the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just just hucking this bat around. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything more to say on Julio. It's been a confusing year, but I'm, I'm liking that there are at least still bright spots. You know? mm-hmm. One thing to maybe note was uh, the other day, I think it was the last game of the series, he got very frustrated in that first inning. I don't know if you've saw, seen any clips of that, but it was basically like he stole second, but the catcher hit the ump on his throw 
So Julio had to go back to first base, and he was pretty pretty pissed. Mm. Um, and so he tried to steal second again later in the at bat, and got thrown out. And you know the first the first go around, he was pretty clearly going to be there. And the fact that he had to try again, you think you know maybe his timing was off or whatever it was. But he was livid after that top of the first inning. Just like Suarez had to calm him down. Really good veteran leadership by Suarez. Um, but it was just like Julio's really in it right now is what I heard. He was talking after the game about how he was just like, we are in the prime of the season. We need to be winning all these games. We're super focused. And for the ump to make that kind of mistake was very frustrating to him is how he worded it. And so I was just really happy to hear that it wasn't, it wasn't anything that he was mad about it. It was just about his like desire to win. I think that was a good way to spin it. Um, Agreed. And I would, I would just like to put a little correction because we, we appropriately noted that it was a series of ups and downs for Julio, but um, his over five game was the first game of the series. Mm. Since that game, he had his two for three game with a home run, that big nine seven game. Then he went three for four in the game on Saturday and two for three in the game on Sunday, or two for four in the game on Sunday. Um, so he actually finished the last three games yeah, of the series it's really good. pretty well. And like you're talking about, he's engaged, he's in it. I you know I don't think there's any been, ever been doubt about his like fire for the game. So. It was just the first time people have seen him blow up, and I was like, "Wow, that was that was kind of a big moment." I kind of like seeing players blow. Up. I don't like. There's like that fine line. It's like they blow up too much, and then you're like, "Oh god!" Then they're hitting their bat against the the bench or something yeah. in the dugout. I call that the Demarcus Cousins paradigm, <laughs> where it's like, "Give me like thirty percent boogie, and I'm in," but a hundred percent boogie is too much. Um, but I like that he's intense. I like that he wants to win. So he did finish the series well. He yeah, he was responsible for two of our three RBIs in the game on Saturday. He was our, our most important offensive player. Yeah. Um, yeah, another note is just JP's walks have been really good. I think he's walked in the last 10 games at least one time. That's awesome. Um, which is a crazy stat. Uh, everybody's working counts, I think, is what it is. Like, we're getting the starters out of the games relatively quickly. I think, uh, was it Silseth or something? He, he had a good start against us. But even then, we were able to kind of work through the, the, the relievers. And that was that was a big key is is we realized kind of and maybe it's because we've played the Angels a few times and we're getting there, getting there, getting them figured out. Um, but we've definitely been able to adjust later in the game when these relievers are in and hit hit off them. Whereas other teams aren't able to do that against our relievers. Nobody they can't grow their lead if they have it and they have been unable to Creep come back, back. into yeah. these games. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And yeah, just speaking of our hitters on a whole, in this two month tear. Um, and it has been a tear. Uh, it has been what it was last year during our tear, which is, like you're saying, just a lot of good aggressive base hitting, the occasional timely home run, but that's not what this team is. This team's not the Braves. They're not pounding home runs out of the park. And there was like one home run in each game, except two in the nine-run game. Like, that's not crazy. Um, they're just getting on base they're they're fighting off pitches they're driving up the pitch counts for these starters like you're saying you know think about home runs you let the like, keep that starter fresh i like a nice you know eight pitch at bat with a single <laughs> the, the beauty of a luis castillo is he'll give up a home run and give up three but then you know it's only one pitch you can keep going <laughs> uh, arms fresh baby arms fresh um and so that's been that's been good to see because we know it works we saw them go on the run last year off this same type of hitting and they're doing it again so it's not surprising and it doesn't feel like it's definitely going to go down um 
we will need to keep our eyes on that though if we see the run start to fall off it's probably because you know a couple guys just aren't hitting it with the same efficiency and the home runs are staying pretty level and we're just not not getting as many people in yeah i agree um do you want to get your take off, John? You had a take before we started the podcast. You're I'll right. let you get it right. off, this and is then the let me, I'll, I'll rebuttal for it. Yeah. Um, my take is that this series against the Angels is the best series, as a like Mariners fan, to watch that the Mariners have had in the regular season in the last five years. I'm just going to let that sink in for our audience. The best. The best. Particularly... You know, this series was important, but, you know, kind of taking stakes out of it and just like the baseball that was played. Four awesome games, all competitive, back and forth, a couple late game heroics, um, good offense, good defense, Shohei on the other team just scaring the crap out of you. Um, I think this is the best single series to watch. Four games, all wins. When's the last time they swept a four-game series? I'll tell you right now, because this is the rebuttal that I had for you when we talked. (laughs) (laughs) I walked right into that one. Uh, Last year, leading into the All-Star break, so this is the end of their 14-game win streak. Your Xbox is mad at us. (laughs) Uh, The Mariners swept the Toronto Blue Jays at home, so a bunch of visiting Canadians coming into our town. Uh. And God, they the swept them eight to three, five to two, two to one, and six to five. Mm. So the six to five game was a huge comeback. It was the end of the fourteen game winning streak, and then they had the All Star break. Yeah. It was amazing. That was amazing. It was an it was an amazing series, and just and a, an amazing way to keep the momentum in going into the All Star. Keeping break. the momentum, being it being I against the Blue that Jays. Six five game. That like, six five game was maybe the game of the year. Yeah, it like fed into. Uh, I think us that that wild card series when we played them and you know beat them in those two games and had that huge comeback in the wild card series against the Blue Jays. Gosh, we own you, Blue Jays. Um, <laughs> mm. But yeah, I think that's in my opinion the best series of the last half decade. That's very reasonable. That was an awesome, awesome series. Um, just a note. Gosh, yeah, the Canadians really do flood down from Vancouver. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate Canadian people. To watch the series, I'm just saying, man, we built, we're building a wall on the wrong side of the country. You know, we got to keep these Blue Jays fans out of <laughs> out of T-Mobile Park. I'm kidding. We love we love our Canadian neighbors, um, and we need to keep those bridges open so that if things go further south in this country, we can we can flee over there. I could be a Blue Jays fan. As soon as the Pac-12 aligns with Canada, that's going to be the next God, move. We should have just moved the Pac to Canada. That's right. Just the Arctic Van- 12. University of Victoria, University of Heck Vancouver. Yeah. That's Mon- what they should do. University of Montreal. Heck yeah. <laughs> Travel teams would have liked that. Um, okay, I, last note I have on the Mariners. I'm sure you have more to say, but I just wanted to look a little bit going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, eight games over 500, three games out of the wild card. This is a good spot to be. Um, what's coming up? A huge series against the Padres uh, the next two days, followed by a massive gargantuan series against the Orioles this weekend. Three games against the Orioles uh, here, right? It's in Seattle. I don't think so. I think it's actually... Felix Hernandez? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you were talking about it being his weekend. Yeah. Um, So that is going to be just 
huge. If we can come out of those, if we can go two and two in those four, that would be awesome. I would be super psyched with two and two. Two and three, I'm assuming is what you meant to say because there's five of them. You're correct. I would be happy with two and three. You're right. I would be happy with two and three. Um, And part of the reason I'd be happy with two and three is what comes next. We have a four-game series against the Royals who suck. We have a three-game series against the Astros who are very good. And then we play the White Sox, the Royals again, and the Athletics. We play 13 of our last 16 games in August against the three worst teams in the American League and three of the four worst teams in baseball. Um, That is going to be a massive opportunity to gain ground on the Blue Jays and really, really put some pressure on them, if not pass them. Um, So if we can just get through these two series against the Padres and the Orioles, and if we can creep by the Astros, we should be seeing a lot of wins in the win column in the month of August. Yeah, one thing that I would say and add on to that is we've got that series against the Astros, and like you were saying, we're only three and a half games behind them right now. That's right. We're in reach. Like, especially if the Astros have a tough stretch at all. I haven't looked at their schedule much. If we go two and three against the Astros and then clean up the way we should against those bottom three teams, if we can, you know, what what I say, 13, if we can go 10 and three against them, yeah. That would be, yeah, that'd be huge. There'd be a real good chance we'd pass the Astros. I might pull up the Astros schedule here real quick just to check, but uh, yeah, I guess, so that's kind of the look ahead. So be biting your teeth for these next couple series, because if we can get through clean, ooh, we're going to be in some green, green pastures in August. Um, some some other notes while John's looking that up is uh, I think you know because there's been so much going on so much news I think John and I want to have an episode coming out later this week I think this might be a two episode week mm, and I think we're going to talk a little Felix Hernandez just because he's got his weekend upcoming and how much we we love and miss the lad um, and then we'll talk a little bit of Seahawks um, pre I guess pre preseason and. Get into maybe some zags. John teased uh, teased a little zags talk a little while ago, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that at some point soon. Let me off the chain. Let me talk some zags. Um, yeah, so Astros going forward. Just to mention, uh, they're starting up a series against the Orioles. May Tough they, one. May they go zero and three, and then they play, they're going to be playing a lot of five hundred baseball. They have the Angels, the Marlins, us, and then Red Sox, Tigers, Red Sox. Those Red Sox games. That's going to be big. It, it could be very big. Red, the Red Sox are still, like I said, they're three games or five games back, two games back of us in the wildcard hunt. Um, if they want any chance, they got to pull some of those against, against Houston. That's what I was going to say. They got, you know, the Angels are still technically hunting. Like, they're, they're trying to win these games. They did not trade Shohei. Yeah, um, they're trying to win. Yeah, they're, they're all in. So they're going to do whatever they can. They're going to scratch and claw. Same with the Red Sox. It's going to be tough for Houston this next little bit, especially with us coming in. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna put put our put our shin on their mouth. <laughs> I would very much like if we did that. Um, but yes, I guess the good news is the Tigers are the only bad team that they play. Good. Uh, everyone else is either at or above five hundred. Um, so yeah, that's a good thing. Looking forward. I did think of one last Mariners thing. I know I wanted to talk about. Bring it in. Trade deadline. At the trade deadline, there was a lot of hoeing and humming about the loss of Seawald and and not necessarily bringing in anything concrete in terms of helping us this year for the playoff push. And that was after I think the first Angels win was when we had that conversation. After these last three Angels wins and with an understanding of what's coming up ahead, 
do you have, have your thoughts changed? You were just talking about how awesome our bullpen has been, so not necessarily missing Seawald a ton. What what do you think? I think that's that's kind of the thing, is we talked about it. We were like, hey, we can produce bullpen arms. We've proven that. Um, it's tough to miss Seawald because he's a good guy, great great person, um, but he's not the best reliever in the world. Like he's he's very much human. Mm. Um, I'm very okay with what happened now. Like looking back a week later, maybe a year from now we'll still be, we'll be upset because all three of the guys we traded for wouldn't have panned out. Yeah, but or our bullpen falls apart in the playoff or something. But yeah, that's a little optimistic too. But yeah, you gotta you gotta do what you can with what you're given and. Based on based on everything that we have seen so far, Ken Zone looks like he's going to be a nice piece. Rojas sounds like he may be a little injured coming back from the injury um, that he had late earlier this season. Um, so I'm okay with the Seawall trade. I do wish it's, it's still wish that we would have added more. Yeah. Um, which is tough to say because I don't know what we would have given or what we would have taken away from this team. Maybe maybe gotten like a more DH type hitter, yeah. getting rid of Mike Ford. But Tom Murphy's been amazing. He's basically, yeah. you know, as Jerry would put it, he's basically been an addition off the trade deadline by having one of our guys play well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, you're right. I because we were talking about you know Hanio or you know Ty France and those guys have been playing well. Like we don't see those guys gone. You know. Um, it would have been interesting if instead of getting three prospects, even if some of them look like they have potential, um, maybe just trade again for, you know, not Paul Goldschmidt, but a utility guy that can be trusted and that we can plug and play. Um, just with how good this team is looking right now and how open things could potentially be. Yeah, I just, if we just fall, just if we just fall a tiny bit short, I will be bummed we didn't take a bigger swing with Seawald and just try to get an older guy that 250 you know nothing crazy but just somebody that you can plug and play which I think was the big takeaway from the trade deadline was hey why do we trade Seawald for three guys who don't feel like they're ready to help this team right now correct and you're you know you're feeling exactly how everybody else was feeling just a week late <laughs> yeah you know me I'm a little stunted and maybe you know maybe Kenzel will be back in 250 by the end of the year but uh, I would be a little surprised that's everything for me. What do you got? That's all I got, man. I, I really love what's happened with the Mariners this week. I don't love what's happened with the Pac-12 this week. Mm. But things are going to change, and we're going we're gonna to adapt. We're going to be okay with it. We're still going to talk about UW and all the, all the ass-kickings they're going to give this year. Um, don't you worry about that, UW fans that are listening. Gonzaga hasn't changed much. Things are still going to happen the same for them. I wonder how the – I guess that won't really affect the Gonzaga-UW game every year <laughs> the battle at seattle yeah yeah that one's been a bit of a joke for the last half decade so maybe we can put that one to bed i would still like if that happened you're right there's no they have to schedule a non-con anyway yeah. but uh that that's not not the apple cup in my mind um yeah yeah all right well i'll sign us out then uh, for John Carey, I'm Tyler Cartwright, and you have been listening to Sound Up Seattle. Please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. And hey, we're still on Apple Music after last week. Surprised, I know. We didn't get kicked off. Um, you can follow us there as well as on Instagram, t- TikTok, Twitter, um, all at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, one word. You can email us at soundupseattle at gmail.com. And uh, you can find me, Tyler, at tycart50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John still grinding in Halo. He's currently mm. on Halo 2 right now. Mm. Moved up to 2, baby. Legendary's harder this time. 
Um, you know, for the outro, we thought we'd do something a little special today. Um, Tyler is going to sing the Pac-12 fight song. It didn't like a sad vibrato to, to head us out. So Tyler, please go ahead. I'm just going to put in a little clip of the, the Pac-12 fight song. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But, uh, but as always... Go M's, baby. Go M's.